Hey everyone, Justin here from Eerie Earfuls. We're bringing this old podcast back, and to prepare for the big return, we're re-releasing our old episodes every two weeks until we catch up. These were originally recorded in 2018, so the references are going to be a little out of date. Also, the earlier episodes have some occasional sound or editing issues as we figured out our process, which I've tried to fix or mitigate if possible. Personally, I still think they sound pretty good, but we definitely got better as we went along. I hope you enjoy these older episodes and expect us to start dropping new ones sometime in July or August. Stay scared, everyone. And we'll just sync up whenever you're ready. Okay. Alright, let's do this. One, two, three, go. go. Nope. I said it at the same time you said it when you came out of my headphones. <laughs> we said it at the same time. All right, well, that's going to be weird because I, I said one, two, three, go, go. That's, <laughs> that's how that came out for you. <laughs> Hey everyone, welcome to Eerie Earfuls, future tagline here. Every two weeks we choose a horror movie double feature to compare and contrast for your entertainment. I'm Justin. And I'm Brandon. This is our pilot episode, so things aren't going to go quite the way uh, I figure they will for the rest of the episodes. This is sort of a practice episode to get the format down. So normally, I figure we'll start with 10 minutes of sharing whatever we want to recommend or talk about from the past couple weeks. You know, movies or TV, comics, whatever we consume that we might want to share. Uh, Because this is our first episode and the double feature that we covered is a little non-conventional, it's a little shorter than usual, I figured this will be a good time to sort of talk about ourselves and let the audience get to know us a little bit. So, uh, Brandon, we'll start with you. Um, You are my brother. Yes. So I'm curious about this. What's your experience with the horror genre? Um, From what I remember of horror as a kid... Um, these films absolutely terrified me. I I remember enjoying slasher movies. I just didn't enjoy supernatural movies. Now, um, occasionally if, you know, the movie is particularly freaky, I might, it kind of gets inside my head, you know, and I have to like get out of that headspace, but you know, it doesn't really bother me. And I think it's a, it's a very interesting art form that, that seems to be kind of growing, if that makes sense. Does that seem like the trend to you? Yeah, I would I would agree. It seems like um, horror goes through sort of waxes and wanes. So you'll have, like, um, right after Scream came out, there were a whole bunch of sort of Scream-toned slashers that came out, and then um, things sort of... Uh, we, we hit the saw craze, and then things sort of winnowed out for a while after that, and now we're hitting another boom with Blumhouse and Insidious and the all of those movies coming out. So yeah, I would, I would agree. I think it's sort of coming back. I mean, I have a love hate relationship with it. I do love many aspects of it, but I also agree with that Stephen King quote where, you know, if to be a fan of horror is to be a fan of like shit, basically, because there's so much of it that is shit. (laughs) What's the, what's the earliest, horror thing you can remember seeing hmm the earliest horror thing that i remember like specifically sticking in my mind there was two movies one was um 
One was The Haunting, which is that, um, you know, it's the remake of The Haunting of Hill House, I think, um, from like the late 90s. I remember that. I enjoyed that a lot as a kid. I guess it wasn't very scary, which is kind of true, because I don't think most people find that movie scary nowadays, especially when you rewatch it. It's kind of goofy. I remember that, and I remember Scream, and I really liked Scream. I don't know why, because I was in, like, fourth grade when that movie came out, and I remember why, or, no, I wasn't in fourth grade when that movie came out. I was, like, really little, but I watched it when I was in fourth grade, and I remember liking it a lot. It was very interesting, and it didn't really scare me that much. That's interesting. I, I was trying to think of, like, the first thing that I remember watching that got me into horror, and uh, I can't remember, like, the first horror actual proper horror movie that i remember seeing because i watched a, a a lot of horror um and i didn't really realize how young i was watching that stuff at first because uh, i was thinking back i remember renting all of the puppet master movies i remember <laughs> renting oh, all yeah. of the <laughs> yeah i remember renting all of the nightmare on elm street movies and then uh, we almost but never actually got around to renting the Freddy's Dead or the the Nightmare TV show, uh, oh. Freddy's Nightmare. Um, I don't think I ever got around to renting that. But I remember going through the horror section all the time at the the local movie store. Um, so I was trying to remember what, even before those, what it could have been. And the earliest thing I can remember is The Nightmare Before Christmas. And I think maybe that was the sort of beginning of it. Because mm-hmm. um, I think that movie came out... I think that movie came out in like 93, so I was something like four or five years old whenever I first saw it, maybe six. Um, so I was I was still pretty young, and uh, it, it really, I think, shaped me. Around the same time, I remember watching a lot of Goosebumps and just ripping through all the books. Um, oh, and I remember yeah. forcing you to watch the show with me, even though you were not seven. I think you were four five at the time yeah i remember it you know being somewhere around kindergarten and um that oh, man what are those two that scared the shit out of me i remember welcome to dead house was one of them yes welcome to dead house although i think the haunted mask and uh what was it tower of terror which one was that you remember that one? um vaguely yeah, I don't remember what it was called. It had tower and terror in it, and I was terrified. So <laughs> I feel like it did its job. Um, I did not want to do anything on Halloween after watching The Haunted Mask. Do you remember whenever we were uh, around Halloween, we found a mask that was The Haunted Mask? Yes. <laughs> and we- yep, and you were like putting it on, and no, I was like, don't no, put it no, on. No, I didn't. I, I, I talked about it, and I joked about it, but then you said, no, don't put it on, and I didn't, because I, I was afraid of putting it on, too. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of regret not buying that mask now, but at the time, I was like, no, just leave it in the store. I know. Let some poor, unfortunate kid get it. So, yeah, um, that's the earliest thing I can remember, is Nightmare Before Christmas and Goosebumps, and then... Um, I don't know when we actually graduated to watching real horror. I know that you were way too young. Eh. Um, I, I think that besides that, the earliest thing I can remember seeing is The Terminator, which I would still argue is a horror movie because it's structured exactly like a horror movie. Like, it's about this 
uh, unstoppable monster that throughout the course of the movie slowly becomes more degraded and less human looking and the more like the more damage he takes the more sort of skeletal and monstrous he becomes and then at the end when they try to blow him up he's literally just a shambling skeleton chasing after them and i know that i watched that one when i was at around five because you know when you're a kid and you're writing stories you go through that phase where you're basically rewriting stories that other people have written and mm-hmm. and I but with your own spin, you know. And I, I wrote The Terminator as one of my stories. The incredibly original idea <laughs> of The Terminator. Any movie that scared me, I considered a horror movie. Um so I never considered Scream a horror movie until, you know, uh, I guess later like in middle school and high school when people I read more analyses and stuff like that and I was like, "Oh, I guess that is a horror movie." Huh, that movie never scared me. Um The Exorcist you know, movies like that that really, really scared me. Yeah. When did we watch that? I remember seeing mm, that yeah, on my. Too young. I think <laughs> I remember seeing that on TV. And whatever version we watched, it was the it was the, the version you didn't see in theaters. I remember. I think after I watched that movie, Mom threatened to like never let me watch another movie again because I would just wake up screaming, terrified, and run into her room. <laughs> <laughs> I had to sleep with like all the lights on, the closet doors open everything open except for my door closed because the hallway and the bedroom were dark yep i i remember um because you say that i that i tortured you with the horror movies but i remember that you were pretty i know game. i kind of tortured myself you were pretty game to yeah. watch them until it got dark and then you were like i regret this decision sometimes i still do <laughs> I had like a flashback the other day when i tried to watch the original texas chainsaw massacre and i only started it and it did that camera flash and then noise, you know, that they also use in the remake when they made it. And I remember watching the trailers for the remake and thinking how terrifying it was before I even saw the remake because the remake came out when I was little. And just that noise was enough to, like, set my nerves on edge for the remainder of the beginning of the movie. And as it started getting dark, I was like, oh, I should probably switch to something funny, even though that movie's not even scary. <laughs> it's literally just lady screaming being chased by a chainsaw but it was i think it was the noise and i associated that with my childhood and then from then on i was like i don't know if i can watch this movie yeah man we we did the same thing um a while back we bought the the nightmare on elm street collection and whenever we put in the first one the menu music was the theme song and it was enough to like i immediately got goosebumps as soon as i heard just those first few (laughs) notes like it was enough to give me chills one last question, I guess. What is the scariest thing that you remember movie-wise? I mean, like a, a TV show or a movie or something that you saw and that like kind of stuck with you. Well, I remember watching The Exorcist for the first time. Obviously, I mentioned that before. I was very clearly too young to handle that movie. And that one stuck with me for a long time. I still have reservations about watching that movie. That one, I remember, affected me for a while. I slept with the li- all of the lights on, like overhead light, lamps, night lights, all of the lights. If I could have installed spotlights in my room, <laughs> I would have. And for like two or three months, because I was just never able to get over that. I remember that movie, I'm, I think it's called Don't Look Under the Bed. And it was a Disney Channel original movie. I should have looked that up before we started recording. It's something like that. And it stars this kid and, you know, he, uh, well, you know, two kids, obviously, because it's a Disney Channel movie. But one of them turns into the monster under the bed, basically. Like, it's like an imaginary 
dreamland under the bed and he kind of slowly turns into the monster under the bed sort of thing and that one kind of freaked me out yeah but i really liked it it was like just enough to freak me out but to intrigue me to watch it more so every time it came on i was like oh i need to watch this movie and i kind of became desensitized to it i have a i have two neither of which should have scared me especially considering all the stuff that i watched growing up one was an episode, I guess this one makes a little more sense. It was an episode of Are You Afraid of the Dark? That uh, Nickelodeon uh, like anthology horror mm-hmm. show that they did. I don't remember everything about it. I just remember that there was a kid in class reading comics, reading a comic book, and the teacher got mad at him. And I guess he was reading a horror comic? So the teacher takes the comic book away and he, he throws it in the fish tank at the front of the class. And the kid comes back after school and gets it and he takes it home. And he puts it in the microwave to dry out because that's how microwaves work, I guess. <laughs> and uh, whatever sure. happened, he put it in the microwave and it started sparking. And then the microwave blew up, I think, while his mom was in the doorway or something. And it turned her into the monster from the comic, I think. Either that or the comic, the like the monster came out of the comic. I'm not sure which, but like suddenly there was this monster in the doorway And I remember seeing that and it scared me so bad that I literally sprinted down the hallway and immediately like jumped in bed. I was was terrified to even go back into the (laughs) living room. The next thing I remember, and this one stuck with me forever, which is so sad, is an episode of All That and I cannot find the skit. I've tried to find the skit for years, which was a comedy show. It was like a kid's SNL. Right. But there was this skit where um, they had leftovers in the refrigerator that were super old and someone it was sort of like a, i think it was like a parody of the blob because it was parody if i remember correctly at least it was it was shot kind of like an old movie like a parody of an old black and white horror movie the only thing i can remember is that the dad was missing like from the table and so they like they heard something in the pantry and they opened it and the dad was covered in like purple goo which i think was supposed to be the leftovers or the the food from the refrigerator and he was covered in this purple goo and it made him stupid. And he was going like, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and whatever it was about that, like struck some strange chord. And I literally spent years sleeping under the covers with just like my nose poking out for fresh air because I was convinced that <laughs> in the middle of the night, this purple goo would come find me and like make me stupid. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, let's uh, let's move to today's double feature that we're going to talk about. Uh, as I said at the top of the show, every two weeks, we'll pick a horror movie double feature to watch. The person picking the double feature will rotate. So this week, it's my pick. Next episode, it'll be Brandon's pick. And then on the week of their choice, they'll explain, before we actually start talking about it, why they chose that. We'll use that as a launching point for our discussion. I'm not super interested in a beat-for-beat breakdown of the plot of the movie. Uh, I'm more interested in analyzing the themes, the structure, filmmaking techniques, anything that we might want to bring up that that brings something extra to the movie. Uh, But fair warning, these discussions will have spoilers. It's sort of unavoidable. Another thing I want to mention, I'm not interested in getting super critical about what is and isn't horror. There's a lot of podcasts I've listened to where sometimes they debate about whether they should cover a movie because it's on the bubble. And personally, I don't really care. To me, genre is meant to be more of a a guide than a boundary. It's meant to be a roadmap. 
So it's possible that we may cover thrillers on this show. We may cover suspense movies or mysteries. Uh, there's a couple of kids movies that I honestly would like to, to use for one of my double features. So I, I want to keep it relatively loose. We know what horror fans would like. Uh, we know the kind of stuff that we were interested in, both as kids and as adults, and I think there's room for both in the genre. Things aimed at younger people, things aimed at older people. There's there's room for mature, and there's room for, for childish. Because if you put a boundary on that, then you can't talk about things, you know, like Monster Squad, or, or things that, that are aimed at children, like, like The Nightmare Before Christmas, but clearly have a horror influence. And then there's things like... Gone Girl, which doesn't have any explicitly horror things, at least it doesn't have, like, a slasher, or it doesn't have a monster, but it, it's still unnerving to watch and very eerie and, and suspenseful, so I'm not interested in, in, like, hard horror boundaries. Like, if we decide to talk about The Shape of Water, it's a monster movie, guys. It's It may not be scary, but it's, it's a monster movie. So, this week, we watched Oculus Chapter 3, The Man with the Plan, and Don't Look Away. Oculus Chapter 3, The Man with a Plan, is a short film released in 2005 directed by Mike Flanagan. Tim Russell's father once did something horrible that destroyed his family, but Tim is convinced that an antique mirror they possessed was actually to blame. Tim began researching and found at least 300 years of violence and blood that all lead back to the mirror. Tim sets up a scientific experiment to try to catch the evidence of the mirror's evil influence on tape. Isolated in a room, he proceeds to lay out the mirror's history. Things unfold rapidly as Tim begins suffering from drowsiness, visions, and mood swings. As his sanity wanes, he sees visions of first his father, then of all the previous victims of the mirror. The movie ends with Tim's ghoulish face also being trapped inside the mirror forever. Don't Look Away is a short film released in 2017 to YouTube directed by Christopher Cox. Savannah and Jim are arguing about who needs to mow the lawn before it rains, but Savannah sees only blue sky. Out on the lawn stands a man with a burlap sack over his head dressed in a tattered suit, staring up at her. Her dad calls to tell her he'll be late, and she mentions the figure. Suddenly frantic, her dad says he's coming home right away and warns her not to look away and to have her brother lock the doors. Savannah has her brother keep an eye on the figure while she locks the place down, but upon returning, the figure is gone. Her brother insists that he can still see it. Another figure appears behind Savannah and attacks her, but her father arrives in the nick of time, banishing the creature into a mirror before smashing it on the nightstand. Jim notices the figure he was watching is gone now too. They hear a doorbell, assuming it's their mother. The movie ends with the other figure standing in a garden, watching across a pond, waiting. So for this first episode, I wanted to do a couple of short films as a trial run just to test out the format and the structure of the show. And I, I kind of struggled to think of two short films to choose. Short films are sort of a empty space in my horror knowledge. Uh, I have seen some of the famous ones, like I've seen Lights Out. Uh, and I didn't want to choose that one because it's only like a minute and a half long. And there's there's not a lot of analysis there. There's some, you could definitely talk about some of the stuff that's in there, but it's it's so short that there, there's only so much. It's very bite-sized. It's more about demonstrating the technique and the ability of the director than it is trying to convey an entire full story to you. Uh, Mama was only like three minutes, which was another situation where I just, I wanted something with a little more bite to it. So I knew about Oculus Chapter 3, which is, uh, it was actually a, an extra on the Oculus Blu-ray that I own. 
And uh, so then it was just trying to find something that I could use. And since Oculus was 30 minutes, that was that was a decent amount of time. So I wanted to find something. It didn't have to be that long. It's something you know longer than a minute and a half, three minutes to, to compare it with. So I found uh, several short films on YouTube that were five, eight, 12 minutes long. But I didn't want to just pick another random short film. I wanted it to tie into Oculus somehow. And uh, after watching a couple of them, I actually found don't look away, which, as I mentioned in the synopsis, features a mirror in a very critical role in the movie. So I figured it would be interesting to talk, uh, to start our discussion talking about uh, mirrors and um, how they're used both in Oculus and in Don't Look Away. So I figure first we'll talk about um, Oculus Chapter 3. I figure that's a good jumping off point just because there's more to talk about, or at least it's a, it's a longer uh, movie, so there's kind of more that we can dig into. Uh, I actually, in doing some research for the movie, I watched the short film, and then I watched it again with the commentary on, because my Blu-ray has the commentary track by Mike Flanagan on it. It's the only Oculus short film uh, right. besides the feature, but um, the reason it's called Chapter 3 is because he planned to make nine stories, but due to budgetary constraints, he, he decided to pick the third one because it was like a locked room story and would be the mm. easiest to pull off with what with the budget they had but he did have plans to make and do the rest they just never got around to them <laughs> i wondered about that because i tried to search for the rest on youtube and they are not there just chapter three and i thought well you know mike flanagan you do your thing so uh, I, I'm curious about to get your thoughts on the on the movie because I know that you didn't like the the actual feature film. Um, what did you think of this one? I mean, I liked it. It was interesting, and it you know kind of held you know the tension well, which is something I think the theatrical one did too. You know, it held the tension well like throughout the whole movie, pretty much. Um, I actually had less to say about Oculus and more to say about Don't Look Away. Really? Not sure why. Yeah. So that'll be interesting when we get to that. Um, okay, but, yeah, um, that's going to be interesting. Just my review would be, it was pretty good. And, you know, I enjoyed it. There was some scary moments in there. That fucking alarm clock, God. Like, every <laughs> time it went off, I was like, oh my God, is there not a sound editor that could be like, we should turn that down just a little bit, you know? <laughs> it's like the train whistle in Sweeney Todd. Like, when they do it on Broadway, it's like, and it scares the hell out of me. I, I was a huge fan of the feature film. Uh, I'm a sucker for movies that mess with timelines. Uh, I'm a sucker with like for, for a, an unreliable narrator or a non-traditional narrative. So uh, one of the things I noticed is that there are several points in the movie where in this, in the short film where the narrative could be compromised. There's a lot of question about what actually happens versus what is in his head. Cause I, the early in the feature, he gets drowsy and he says that he foresaw this happening because his father used to take a bunch of naps whenever he was under the influence of the mirror. So he goes out and he brings in an IV and he hooks it into his arm so that he doesn't dehydrate while he's asleep. Um, there's an implication that that happened to uh, another victim as well. He mentions that there's a woman who uh, died of dehydration while sitting in the bath. She was surrounded oh, by yeah. water, but she never actually drank any of the water. So it's kind of an implication that maybe she fell asleep in the tub and just dehydrated to death like because the mirror mm -hmm. messed with her so whenever he actually goes to sleep and takes a nap um, because he says I, I i think i can nap for a little bit a nap won't hurt or something like that uh, that's one place you could take the rest of this as being a dream or in his head or something like that that he either gets taken by the mirror or he dies or something as soon as his he goes to sleep 
uh, which is actually what Mike Flanagan said his intention was. He, he said that the rest of the movie after he goes to sleep is just the mirror messing with him. But there are some places where you could argue against that, even though he is the director. Um, at one point, he gets a call from... Uh, he, he periodically throughout the film gets a call every hour, supposed to be every hour, from his buddy to make sure that he's okay to check in on him. And whenever he receives the first phone call, he yells at him because he says he's too early. And, like, the longer the film goes on, he snaps at him and says, you're getting earlier and earlier. And, he, and then at one point, he thinks that the mirror is tricking him, and so he destroys his the cell phone, and then he rips the other phone out of the wall... An interesting thing, though, is that after that, he receives another call on the landline after it's been unplugged, and the guy says, you've missed two call-ins. Are you okay? It's an interesting detail. If the mirror is messing with him, it's an interesting detail to include, because that would be something that someone would notice. So it's one of those things that sort of messes with perception. Did he unplug the phone? Did he not unplug the phone? And he's now he's receiving a real call. There's also a moment with the with the alarms where he starts out and he mentions two mo- two alarms and i only yes. remember seeing two alarms he's got his his yeah. food alarm and his uh uh what was it water alarm um yeah i think one was for snacks and one was to stay hydrated and then suddenly it just like There's multiplies later in the films yeah they were for like water and food and one was for naps and one was for like waking up from naps it was just like an insane number of alarms and i remember getting to that part and thinking how many fucking alarms are there there were like two so where the fuck did yeah. they come from? Because he had two, and then all of a sudden he's like, "I got this. I've got more alarms. This one's this one's beer o'clock." Oh yeah, <laughs> I'd forgotten about that. I, I that is a, another part of the film of this short film that I appreciated was that yeah, you're never really sure. Like I guess what was real and what was not. Like what was a reflection of what was in his head and what was a reflection of reality. There's a really cool moment toward the end of the film when he's starting to have a breakdown where he he's saying something and he starts saying, go outside and play now, Tim. Go outside and play now. Go now. Go now. Go now. And he starts repeating that and it becomes sort of like a like a warning to himself. Like it's almost mm-hmm. like he is telling himself, go now, get out, run away. And then he said he starts reciting this weird line where he says, I've met my demons and they are many. I've met the devil and he is me. And he repeats that over and over and over. And then at one point he like leaps out of his chair and he gets right in front of the mirror in his own face and says, I will kill you. We as the audience are supposed to take that to be, you know, he is threatening the mirror. But in a way, because he is looking into a mirror, there is a mirror reflection of himself saying it back to him. So it almost feels like a promise from the mirror, like the mirror is promising to kill him, which, I mean, it ultimately does. One more thing I wanted to cover on this one before we move on to uh, Don't Look Away is mirrors versus cameras, because Tim has three cameras set up recording what's happening in the room. We consider mirrors to be objective, like we look into mirrors before we go out of the house because we... We want to make sure, you know, like I don't have any lint on my shirt, that I don't have anything in my teeth, and my hair looks nice, you know, that we, we use mirrors as a semblance of a objectivity since we can't actually see ourselves. But it's fascinating because mirrors kind of aren't objective because we are not objective. So that when we're looking at a mirror, we're looking at sort of an impression and in our interpretation of ourselves. Do you prefer to look in the mirror at yourself or do you prefer to look at pictures of yourself? I usually prefer to look in the mirror rather than looking at pictures of myself, I guess because I don't like to look at past versions of myself. I prefer to focus on um, 
you know, working on the present version of me. <laughs> Most people do, right? Because even though we consider, we, we like to consider mirrors objective, the reason that we don't like pictures is because we are used to seeing a reverse image of ourselves. We are not symmetrical. People are not symmetrical. And so we are used to seeing ourselves backwards. And whenever we look at a camera, like an image of ourselves, we are seeing ourselves not backwards. We are seeing ourselves the way other people see us, not reversed. And it looks off to us. And the reason that we prefer our reflection is because we are used to it. We see it every day all the time. We don't look at pictures of ourselves all the time. We're not used to seeing ourselves sort of objectively. We're used to seeing the reverse of that. Is there anything that you wanted to add about Oculus? I feel like I've done a lot of the talking here. I was afraid that was going to happen like before we started, just because... I don't know. I watched the film and I was like, it was good. And most of the stuff that I did was was about don't look away. Because uh, most of my stuff was kind of like comparing the two. So I sure, guess we can wait until we talk about don't look away. Yeah, well, let's talk about don't look away now. Um, so you said you compared the two. So uh, what, what's some stuff that you noticed? Well, I kind of looked at the two films as like two sides of the same coin. Um, and at first I thought the message in Don't Look Away was more clear than the message in Oculus, but then after I started writing down the message of Don't Look Away, I was like, oh, I guess Oculus would be kind of like the opposite of that. So I kind of saw both of the films as sort of metaphors for psychotherapy and the benefits of psychotherapy. So in Don't Look Away, there's a creature that shows up and you can't look away from it. You have to look at it. Otherwise, it'll, like, multiply and, you know, all this other stuff. And, you know, you have to... Uh, that's one of the key points of the short film is you have to point a mirror at it, basically, to allow it to reflect on itself. And then it gets trapped in the mirror and then you can smash it. So that kind of deals with it. And I thought that was a pretty clear metaphor for psychotherapy because it is something that keeps coming up from the past. They mentioned it in the film, how it was something that kept coming up when the dad and the mom were getting together and now it's been passed on to the children, which, you know, happens sometimes of, you know, like victims of trauma can sometimes inadvertently kind of pass some of those things on to their children too, you know, like some of those quirks, yeah. I guess. So... It was a very clear metaphor for you have to deal with your past and you have to reflect on it. And then once you do, you can, you know, break the mirror and then you can move on. That's not to say it won't come up again, because obviously it can. Every time it comes up, you have to deal with it, though. And I felt like uh, that was pretty clear. Like in the first time I saw it, I was like, oh, yeah, that's what they're talking about. And I felt like Oculus was kind of the flip side of that. He is dealing with his past by confronting the mirror. And he's, you know, also because he believes the mirror is what caused his parents to do the bad stuff and like murder, suicide each other. But at the same time, um, it gets to the point where it's harmful because he's like dwelling on the past and he's trapped in the room with the mirror. Now, obviously, you can make a case for the being that's in the mirror is making him crazy. But also that level of dwelling on the past can be very harmful to you psychologically, you know, to the point where. You question everything that you've ever done in your entire life. So I felt like don't look away was a good metaphor for you have to confront bad things from your past and then you reflect on them and then you move on. And Oculus was confronting things from your past, but not dwelling on them because dwelling on them will just make you go crazy. I mean, which is kind of true because I know there's been things in in my past that I've dwelled on to the point where I was like, I can't think about this anymore because it's becoming harmful. 
that that's a really cool read. I did not take as much away from Don't Look Away, uh, so that that's a really cool read. Uh, what I was thinking about whenever I watched Don't Look Away was uh, I kind of zeroed in on the mirror more and the way the mirror is used in Don't Look Away as a weapon versus an Oculus where it is the threat. So reading whenever I was doing research on mirrors, I found... I mean, we've, we've had mirrors forever, so, like, we've always had, like, polished silver or, like, uh, a pool of water or something. We've had lots of places where we use reflective surfaces to look at ourselves. But the traditional mirror, the way we think of them, with, like, being made of glass, was... Oh, I can't remember if I wrote down the date. I don't think I did. Um, but we, we uh, developed this process where we would lay out a thin layer of silver on the back of a sheet of glass and that the silver is what we use to reflect. And that led me to looking into different mythology about mirrors and about silver because silver is considered purifying and it wards off evil, which is why vampires and werewolves are both. Uh, that's one of their weaknesses is using silver against them. It was considered like a pure metal. Another interesting thing is that it also symbolizes greed and perversion because the history of the world is full of <laughs> contradictions. So, and I, I wondered if that was maybe related to Judas because he gets paid, you know, I think it was 30 pieces of silver for selling out Jesus. And so I was wondering if maybe silver being unpure and related to greed is related to that. But that got me into think, looking into different myths about mirrors. And Jewish Kabbalists believe that when people pass on there's an emptiness that is left behind the demons. They sense that emptiness and they try to fill it. So uh, whenever someone passes away, they cover their mirrors while they're mourning. There are, I think it was a more Protestant religions that like sort of took this myth and ran with it a little bit more. And uh, so there were some beliefs um, that if the dead catch sight of their reflection in the mirror, then they become trapped in that mirror. That's interesting because when I... Uh... <laughs> Obviously, my basis for this comes from an episode of Frasier, but <laughs> when it was explained to me through this episode, they covered the mirrors simply because they didn't want the grieving family to be worried about their appearance, you know, like they didn't want that extra layer of worry, so they cover the mirror during the Shiva, I believe that is. It's like the mourning period. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, um, the thing that I took away in comparing the two, I really like your read about how it's it's about... Um, sort of psychotherapy. Uh, mine was more looking at in Oculus, it's not clear whether the mirror is evil, whether it's just like an evil mirror, if or if there's maybe something trapped mm -hmm. inside. It does show that Tim's spirit gets trapped inside the mirror and it, it shows the like the ghosts of several other previous mm -hmm. victims um, that like come out of the mirror or go back into the mirror at some point. So it's possible that um, like like the legends, like the some more Protestant legends say, where like the dead are getting trapped in the mirror. But there's also like a maliciousness to that mirror that could either be the mirror, or maybe there's an evil spirit caught in the mirror that it's it's working through the mirror. And don't look away. It's like a weapon where the the father runs in, he holds the mirror up in front of the uh, creepy looking bag face guy's face, and it looks at itself for a minute, and then it starts twitching and shaking, and then it just gets and a puff of black smoke gets sucked into the mirror and then he smashes it and it was almost like a pokeball for evil spirits <laughs> <laughs> it was interesting to see the difference in the two whereas one is using the mirror like to ward off evil because it, it's almost like it can't face itself versus the other 
sort of working through that because it, it like mirrors are enticing and it's hard to resist looking in it just to check on yourself to make sure everything's right. okay. Yeah. I like, um, I've written or I had written down some stuff kind of about that too, talking about how the use of the mirror in Oculus is very similar and in the vein of like Candyman and John Carpenter's like Prince of Darkness. And even like there's an episode of, Boris Karloff's thriller called The Hungry Glass, where there's a ghost trapped in in this mirror. And there's even, like, I think there's a Korean film called Into the Mirror and The Mirror and Mirrors. So obviously, you know, but all of these things feature something, some, you know, malevolent being or spirit trapped in a mirror and affecting people that come in close contact with either that mirror or mirrors. And... It's interesting how Don't Look Away did the opposite of that. Like, it's kind of, sort of, in the vein of how they use mirrors in, like, Dracula and sometimes vampire folklore, even though it's not really a weapon. It's just, like, a diagnosing tool of vampires. Relating to that, it's it's interesting, because uh, it, it seems to me like, if we're taking the idea that, like, the backs of mirror, the back of a mirror being silver, even though it's not anymore, it seems like Oculus is leaning into the more... Mirrors are evil because silver is greed and uh, and 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 unpure and corrupting. Versus, don't look away is using the mirror as more like silver is pure and it's, it's almost like drawing this evil in and purifying it. The same way that like vampires, my take on it at least was that uh, they can't see themselves because the silver is sort of purifying oh, that image. That makes sense. It's sort of sort of like removing the corruption because the vampire is a corruption on on reality. <laughs> I hadn't thought about that. Okay, um, I think that's good. I think that's that's a lot. That is quite a bit for two very short films, one of which is only like 10 minutes. All right, I think that just about does it. Thank you very much for being here and talking with, with me about this, Brandon. Yeah, thank you. You can follow us on Twitter at eerie underscore earfuls. Email us at eerie.earfuls at gmail.com. Visit us on the web at eerieearfuls, that's all one word, dot wordpress.com. Our theme song is Baba Yaga by Kevin McLeod. Find more at incompetech.com. Thank you for listening, and stay scared, everyone. Chugging that bottle of water. This is where it goes from podcast to ASMR video. <laughs> Hello and welcome to our ASMR video. <laughs>